The brothers set out on a lifelong quest to brew some root beer and discuss all the controversial topics that plague the root beer community. We're talking root beer radio with two guys who love root beer. Root beer radio, a podcast about root beer. Root Ladies and gentlemen, this is Root Beer Radio. My name is Dave Herdon. And I am Matthew Holton. And we are brothers-in-law. Brothers-in-law. Feels like we're brothers, though. Yeah. We've known each other for 15 years now. About 15 years. About 15. Uh, Because you and Jen came to uh, John 23rd. We did. I think that's where our first introduction Seventh grade. Jen likes to claim that she, uh, she knew everyone. Within like the first week or something. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Huh. Maybe, perhaps. Well, I'm she lying. remembers people I, I I forget. So. Sure. Even though we only graduate with 140 people, I don't. It's not a lot. I, I've forgotten a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Ten year reunion coming up. Yeah. Um, hoping that we get some Annie Schlepper, Olympian, and Denard Span professional baseball player to come come along that would be very fascinating Annie, if you're listening bring denard to the tenure and you should come to the tenure too i guess yeah um matt did we have lockers next to each other in that hallway down by uh we would have been close we're close because it would have been hollingsworth sure on to my left yeah we were close yeah you, you would have been just a few lockers down i think were you in miss schlichting's homeroom as well uh, Sister Claire. Oh, so we were right next to each other. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Well, Matt and I just, you know, we love root beer. I, maybe I love root beer more, but <laughs> yeah. Matt is more of an expert at this kind of thing. I, I, I feel like I have just an uh, appreciation or an addiction to beverages with sugar in them oh, yeah. <laughs> overall. But uh, I do like root beer. Uh, you tend to see more variation in profile for flavor in root beer. There's more... It's more open to interpretation. Yeah, like, you're not going to see a crazy out there Mountain Dew or Mellow Yellow. That's pretty much your choice. Yep. And with root beer, you know, you have your 1919 and your Stewarts and Spreckers and A and W Barks. I know you're a fan of Barks. I am day. not a fan of Barks, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. Yeah, but it, but it uh, it is it is a you know a, a beverage type that I quite enjoy and yeah and you know. What tell us what what do you do, Matt? What is your job? So uh, I'm an assistant winemaker at a small winery, Milner Heritage Winery. Small plug, <laughs> but uh, I'm an assistant winemaker out there. I do do pretty much every other job out there as well. But um, I've also been a home brewer for for the last eight years now, 2009. Yeah, that's eight years, and uh, only just started getting decent at it. But it's uh. Yeah, I, I've I've got kind of an interest in making drinks, uh, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Sure. And I think the fact that I've have experience making alcoholic beverages also helps me avoid adding alcohol to the ones I don't want it. Absolutely. Because uh, when when you add yeast or any organism to produce alcohol in in a beverage, uh, you know what you need to avoid to prevent other things from spoiling it. 
And with the root beer that, you know, if you're making it at home, if you don't have sterile conditions and other things you, you need to be paying attention to, well, there's a chance that, you know, a, non, an al- a beverage that you didn't want to have alcohol in is suddenly going to be a little a little extra fizzy <laughs> when you go to enjoy it. Yes. So so that's how we know when we've done it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the extra carbonation will be the first sign. And then the second sign is uh, if you consume a lot of it, suddenly start to feel a little cozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and also... If you go, if you have a really aggressive fermentation, you're going to see solids coming, settling out of solution. But okay. that's not going to be apparent until your container's empty. Sure, sure. So, which is a <laughs> unpleasant surprise. Uh, yeah, that, it's not something I would look forward to. There have been very few cases of where a product that I've worked with has refermented, and I've been pleased with the result. Right. It's happened like I think one time. Okay. Uh, with a cider that we made at Milner's, uh, it. It ended up re-fermenting, but I actually liked the end product there. Okay. It was less sweet, a little bit more at carbonation, mm-hmm. um, but I, I kind of liked the result. It's almost never, never the scenario you have, because right. it's like you have, instead of having like a cider, I kind of like had like almost a champagne. Oh. Uh, which was an interesting result. Well, that result. might be nice. So. Okay. Now, tell me, do you see yourself in the future owning your own brewery? I, I've thought about it for a long time. And I, it has been a, a, been a big goal of mine. Uh, lately, though, uh, I've been exploring, you know, other potential business options. But, uh, but yeah, it's, right now, the brewery seems like the most likely uh, thing I will attempt. And, you know, root beer kind of falls, uh, falls in line with a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, you, like there's LTD Brewing Company and mm-hmm. Hopkins, a yep. lot of small uh, microbrews. Uh, make root beer because a lot of the equipment's the same. Right. And especially if you want to have a designated driver or someone who doesn't drink mm-hmm. still wants to have uh, a fun time out with their friends. It's an option. Yeah. Yeah. We've jo- we were joined here by Matt and Jen's dog bear. Hello bear. Say hello. Uh, he's sniffing me <laughs> and stepping on things. <laughs> what a dog. Yeah. Hey buddy, um, can you lay down? Dave, I've known you for, Quite some time now, and one of the most consistent themes is your affinity for root beer. Yeah. Where did this begin? Gosh, you know, I think it, it goes back to childhood. Um, I, I, I didn't really fall in love with root beer until later in life, but I think back, back when I was a kid, it was always a treat to get root beer in a glass bottle or, you know, like an, like an, uh, mm-hmm. an IBC. Yeah. Standard for, for us growing up in the 90s. Yeah. An awesome root beer that, that kids just loved. Just, and it was a treat. It was yeah. something special. And, you know, then you'd go places where you would find root beer on tap, which is even more special, maybe a 1919 if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And in Minnesota, that's often the case. Yeah. 1919 on tap. Um, so that just kind of, you know, those great memories from childhood that came back when I went to. University of Wisconsin River Falls. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm away from home, but in Wisconsin, they have a booming root beer community. Lots of root beer choices, and there's root beer everywhere. Yeah. Because it's just one of those things, you know, they love beer in Wisconsin and they love root beer in Wisconsin and cheese. <laughs> and I found myself in the Econo Foods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, we'd be looking for something, something sweet. I, I, I didn't drink. I don't drink. So I was looking for something special. Yeah. And you'd find uh, they had Sioux City. They had Spreckers. They had some Killer Brew. They had IBC, of course. And I think they had Stewart's. Great selection for just a lo- local grocery store. And that's where I started to buy more glass bottled root beer and drink a little bit more. Well, then I graduated from there and I moved out to Ohio to do grad school. And my God, they didn't have anything. They, <laughs> people hardly drink root beer out there. And to me, that's just, that's unreal. And 1919, that's just on the edge or right outside of their distrib- distribution area. Mm-hmm. So you, you couldn't find 1919. Yeah. Um, but I found a local, or I was told about a locally, local grocery slash convenient store slash Indian food. <laughs> Very strange place. South Sounds like quite the uh, quite the conglomerate. Yes, <laughs> Southside to... Six it was called. A really sketchy place, but they had single bottles of root beer that you could buy. Very overpriced, but mm-hmm. I mean. But for someone who doesn't have access, you know, that's, I mean, like Jen and I will splurge on a bottle of wine occasionally. Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I have to imagine that's the same thing. For for someone who might spend $20 on a beverage for a meal, mm-hmm. you know, $3 for a bottle of root beer doesn't seem so extreme anymore. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so that was what I had to convince my wife, Kim, of. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she didn't see that side of it. But occasionally, you know, I'd help myself. And I found some root beers there from the East Coast that I had never heard of, which we'll get into later on in the show, later in another episode. But... That's really where my root beer love took off because it was, you know, that that symbol of home, that that one thing that I that, that I grabbed onto that reminded me of home and represented my home at the same time while I was in school with people from all over the country. Yeah. So then I just started drinking more and more root beer, especially when I got back to Minnesota because there's more available and started reviewing it on, on Instagram and then, you know, we had this great idea of this podcast because there's yeah. nothing out there. I tried looking for a podcast about root beer, but there's nothing. But there hopefully is a demand. I think there's going to be kind of a, an interesting crossover of people who like sodas. Like uh, I've noticed there's been kind of like this insur- insurgence of craft soda. Sure. Um, my local grocery store here, Jubilee, uh, you know, has a pretty good selection of sodas. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been in more and more grocery stores lately that have. What, what's the what's the uh, Jones Soda? Uh, you know, I, I see I started started seeing those more and more. Yeah. And that's not you know your traditional Pepsi or Coca Cola brand soda. Yeah. And you start to see the, more and more of those. And then if you go to like you know especially ice cream shop, they'll have mm-hmm. specialty sodas. Yeah. Or and you know it's it's kind of growing. And so you have people who like experiencing uh, different flavors in their sodas. Right. And you also have the craft beer community and the you know the wine community and. All these people who are looking for kind of a diverse profile in beverages, because you know your, I think your beverage choice is is as important as your food choice. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like eating the same foods over and over again. Right. I'm I'm I like mac and cheese, but I'm not going to eat it for every single meal. Absolutely not. And it's kind of the same thing. It's uh, with beer. You know, when I started drinking beer in college, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much the only thing that was ever really Available was like Bud Light or, you know, Milwaukee's Best or something, and Classics. I didn't like it. The, the big, yeah. the big box, yeah, companies. I, I didn't, I didn't really like those beers, but they, they did the job. You know, I was out at a party, and 
like, hey, this is beer. This is what I'm supposed to drink. Absolutely. And then I started exploring other, you know, craft beer mm-hmm. and noticing that I really liked it. Okay. And uh, I almost immediately got started making it. Yeah. And, you know, you'd go to, you know, taste something from Surly Brewing Company mm-hmm. or Steel Toe or even the new cideries that are popping up, Sociable Cider Works yeah. um, uh, in, in Northeast Minneapolis. And that was all very exciting to taste new things. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think I've kind of dedicated my life to <laughs> making those yeah, and those beverages. So, yeah. Now remind us, what's your uh, what's your degree from the University of Minnesota for, uh, in? I, I got a degree in horticulture with an emphasis in fruit production and also woody plant kind of focus. So okay. it was like kind of a greenhouse. Um, it started out as a greenhouse focus, and I started noticing I liked fruit fruiting trees and shrubs. Okay, I like studying those a lot. Sure. And I ended up working for your uncle Brian. Yeah. Uh, the summer um, after graduation, I needed to finish up in like an internship credit to actually get my degree. Sure. And I was working for your uncle Brian in the vineyard, and I liked that a lot. Yeah. And that's the that spring, in addition to that summer and the following year, I was uh, pruning for one of his friends, Larry Model out in Kim Cocado. Uh, okay. And I I, cut, I just really liked working on these um, these woody plants. Um, that fascinated me in my studies, but they also had like this uh, very interesting connection to beverages I like to consume. Sure. And I kind of just kind of kept going down that road and exploring that further. Sure. So, so these woody like woody plants mm-hmm. will will this help us in our root beer consumption and creation? Maybe a little bit. Uh, the you ha- you have uh, like uh, your flavoring agents for your root beer, right? Uh, a lot of them come from trees, uh, mm-hmm. sassafras root and sassafras trees, although that we can get into a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, you have your, you know, birch bark um, flavor additions, uh, cherry, um, cherry, cherry bark. bark. Yeah. And so I, I doubt that we would ever be in the position where we'd be growing these plants well, ourselves. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it would take four or five years or right. more. Maybe, maybe we're in this for the long haul. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we're in this for the long haul. Maybe we start growing our own gardens. Yeah, wintergreen and cherry and trees, ginger and ginger. Um, yeah, and licorice, <laughs> anise. Yeah, or star, anise or anise. No, however you however, want. I don't know how you say it. However but. you want to pronounce that one. Yeah, we won't decide for you. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you, you have like juniper berries and everything else that goes under the sun. Yeah, and so all, a lot of your ingredients that go into your root beer come from you know a plant source. It's not right. It's Kind of an interesting thing that we see now uh, that we talk about a lot at the winery is the intense disconnect between people and their food. Yeah. When I give tours at the winery and tell people how we actually make the wine or how we grow the grapes, a lot of people are very just fascinated that this is how it's done. Yeah. Uh, One of the most common questions I get on the vineyard tour is how many times a year do you harvest your grapes? It's once. Once. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I spend all summer trying to get these grapes to ripen properly so that when we harvest them, we can make good wine out of them. Right. I don't get a second shot no. in the year. And that's why you will hear, oh, hey, 2012 was a great year for wine. Yeah. Or 2013 was. And sure. that, that a lot of that has to do with, you know, good fruit. And you can't make good wine with bad fruit and you can't make good sodas with bad ingredients. Right. And so if you get 
uh, you know, wherever you get your, your ingredients for your sodas from, whether they're an extract or, you know, you're growing it yourself or you're buying fresh and like fresh wintergreen or ginger or wherever, yeah. as long as it's good quality, you're, sh you should end up with a good, good end product. Okay. So I wonder if I got off on a weird tangent there. No, but. that's great. You know, I think <laughs> I can feel it. I think 2017 is a good year for root beer. Yeah. I think that's, you know, Matt and I, you'll hear in our, in our next episode too, but we're going to start, uh, trying to use these these terms that are used in in the wine community mm -hmm. here in our very own root beer community. Yeah. Things like mouthfeel. <laughs> mouthfeel. 2017 yeah. is a great year for root beer. Yeah. Um full bodied uh uh astringent uh acidic afterglow. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a, I'm not sure that's a word we use, but well, then we're going to start using we're, it. but uh what what I've always kind of disliked about what I call wine writing where, you know, like when you pick up a bottle of wine and you see the description on it, it's like, Oh, it's got these subtle cherry tones or, uh, you know, herbaceous notes right. uh, or anything like <laughs> so many, so many people have a hard time understanding what's actually being said there. Yes. And another big question I always get, like if I'm pouring a bottle of wine for a customer, uh, and say like this, this wine that we have here has a ni very nice cherry yeah. uh, profile. You know, I, I often get, is there cherries in this? And the answer is no. Uh, grape, uh, grape will express certain flavors. Yeah. And the yeast strain that you uh, that you use will sure. also give you certain flavors. Okay. And with your root beers, like if we if we make a root beer here and we we say, oh, this has a very nice ginger ginger tone mm -hmm. or or kind of a an aniseedy. Uh, aroma or sure. anything along that a lot of that might be coming directly from the uh, star anise or ginger licorice root birch bark thing mm -hmm. that we add in but right. we can also pull out other flavors that arise from the fact that they're being blended together yeah and that's where it is that's where you're gonna see some complexity yes and that's where our, this chemistry yeah comes in yeah it's uh, both an art and a science absolutely probably more of a more of an art than science because hey. a lot of this is going to be based off taste and not actual writing out formulas and right. kind of crafting something. Right. And what we are trying to do is create a root beer that is, that is uh, in our taste buds and our eyes. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Or, Perfect. Or delicious. Yeah. And even on top of that, we don't, we're not, we don't have to limit ourselves to just one. Right. Like we can have one that has more of a birch bark character. Right. One more of a, one more wintergreen. Maybe depending on the season or just the day we decide which we want. Seasonal root beers. Seasonal root beers. This is we are going places yeah. here. We're gonna have a whole line of root beers. Yeah. A holiday style root beer with nutmeg and Gosh. cinnamon and oh whatever my. else we want. Wow. Yeah, we can do a lot. Now so. I'm, I just I just got the shivers. <laughs> oh, okay. So we now now the people know who we are, what we love, what we mm -hmm. are so excited about. Yeah. Why root beer? What is root beer? Where? When did it start? What? It, what is it? Root beer, like like many other things, comes from you know uh, if you look back at at history. Yeah. And you, like you see all, all these liqueurs and other, you know, drinks that have like like a peach liqueur or mm -hmm. a cherry liqueur. Yeah. A lot of that originated as people wanting to have a certain fruit or flavor or or to add into their food or to drink right. in in the winter months or into in months where that stuff wasn't available and alcohol was a very good way 
to make something stable and safe to consume. Sterile, right? And sterile. Yeah. Well after it was, you know, available. Right. And well, especially like as root beer was coming around, mm -hmm. you know, water safety was often an issue. Yes. And if you use like an ale yeast or a, a, a yeast strain of some kind, and the fact that you're boiling the liquid while with all these flavoring agents, yep. it was something that was safe, at least from my understanding from what I've read, it was something that was safe for children to drink that wasn't super alcoholic. You're not seeing right. drunk kids walking right. around. But it was something safe for them to drink. It was it had flavor, so they liked it and had some sweetness. Yep. And it could in many cases be considered, you know, a treat. Yeah. And and especially for people who didn't have a whole lot. Uh, a lot of these ingredients were actually fairly easy to come by. Right. And I mean, so. this goes back all the way to when the first people came to America. I mean, mm-hmm. the first non-natives came to America. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they were so used to making these teas and and uh, and 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 alcohols using roots and other mm-hmm. things from from where they came from that it was so easy to find these other roots and other mm-hmm. plants here to make this this drink yeah and it's it's kind of amazing that it's uh held along for so long uh and you have so much variation yeah in flavors and i don't know i think i think the history of root beer is kind of fascinating like the it history is. of any beverage really yeah. is kind of fascinating well, anything that's been along this 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 long i mean yeah. you know before like the first modern kind of root beer was was when uh charles hires he, uh, and and you see all these vintage hires root beer things you know when I've been looking to yeah. to uh, furnish my home <laughs> all these vintage signs but hires root beer it started out he he he's the first person to coin the term root beer okay but before that he was he almost settled on root tea because oh. the way he makes the root beer it's like a tea it's it's not carbonated um, it's just like what we're doing what we did what we're doing with our our root beer um, creating this almost like a like a tea using all these herbs and roots and yeah and everything and then filtering that out to create this it's just like when you make a tea yeah i guess yeah um but that didn't work you know that wasn't going to catch on it's all about marketing and Mm so in pennsylvania where he was beer was very popular and so to 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 call it root beer was the perfect thing and it immediately took off Mm -hmm. uh you know small shops would 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 carry this this root beer and they would they would carbonate it themselves using carbonated water or soda water yeah and and that's how we get our our now root beer and all of course tastes change and people try new things like we're doing now yeah and it it just evolves yeah i i think it's i think that's interesting I i didn't hear the the root tea uh um i i hadn't heard of that before yeah, and now that you mention it, the way we made our batch that we did today, mm-hmm. yeah, that's very much like tea. Like we boiled a cinnamon stick for, yep. uh, I think it was fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and then we introduced our you know other ingredients. But at no point was I, I was adding sugar, I was adding the cinnamon stick. Right. And when I make beer, what I start with is grain. Yeah. And I take this grain and I'm trying to pull something out of grain. Yes. And then I'm working with it kind of like a tea. And right. so it, it's almost like making a beer, but it's 
yeah, very much more like making a tea. And I think the branding there, at least particularly to me, <laughs> uh, a root beer sounds a lot more appetizing than a root tea. Absolutely. Because think... a root tea sounds like something a witch doctor doctor or something <laughs> somebody would give you in. Well, that's, you know, it started, you know? they, they kind of made it as an elixir, like a cure-all yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't like something to enjoy. They said it had health benefits and it was good for you. And mm-hmm. they sold it as like a medicine. Yeah. Amazing, and you know, I still, I still truly believe that it is a medicine and it is a cure all, <laughs> as much as some of you may tell me it is not. I don't, <laughs> don't. I listen to uh, listen to your heart. heart. Yeah, that's right. And your heart. My heart. Yeah, but uh, what's kind of funny? Um, one of the main ingredients that used to go into a root beer, and you can still find it today. Mm-hmm. You can still order this uh, this main root sassafras. Yeah. You can still order it off eBay or wherever else, um, but the FDA has classified sassafras root as, uh, well, the the compound in it, saffron. Okay. Um, they've banned it in food and food pro- food processing. Why? Why is that? Um, it was found to be a car- carcinogen. Okay. A cancer causing agent, um, and in lab rats. Okay. Um, and do you know when this was? This was in 1960. Okay. Uh, when this happened. And since then, sassafras has been effectively absent from all root beers that weren't made at home. And wow. the reading I've done, and granted, none of this was uh, from a scientific study. I found that all this information off of uh, uh, Nourished Kitchen by Jenny McGuthrie. Oh, Jenny. Or, I love Jenny. I might have misspelled her name there. Yeah, it might have been, yeah, McGuthrie. Okay, Jenny I McGuthrie. still love Jenny. I yeah. love Jenny. <laughs> But uh, she she cited uh, the, this study in the 1960s um, that the amount of saffron or sassafras that they were feeding to these mice would be the equivalent of a human being drinking 32 of these 12-ounce root beers in a single day over many days. And then suddenly, you know, like, you know, higher incidences of cancer were observed. Oh, wow. And I don't know about you. I can't really drink more than three root beers in a day if I'm going hard. Sure. <laughs> so thirty-two, huh? I, I mean, that's. I know I could, but <laughs> now knowing that information, I probably shouldn't. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, saffron, like if it if it is a truly carcinogenic substance. Sure. I mean, there's so many things in life that are going to cause cancer oh, that yeah. you're exposed to. Yeah. And if it, if the exposure to it is limited. Your potential uh, for to you know can get cancer. Yeah. Well, it might be like one percent of above your baseline rate, sure. and like red meat or uh, grilled meat. Yep. Is supposed to be like potentially be cancer causing. Yeah. And from studies I've seen, it says it's you know you have an eighteen percent higher chance of getting cancer. Eighteen wow. percent is that, higher than 1%. that. Does sound huge, but it's eighteen percent over your baseline rate of five percent. So. 18% of 5 is 0.9. So instead of having a 5% chance, you have a 5.9% chance. Oh. So it sounds right. Uh, sounds crazy. And th- this is kind of where I kind of take issue as a person who studied sciences yeah. uh, in college and, you know, been a science enthusiast for most of my life. When, when you see a headline that says blank causes cancer or 18% higher chance of c- getting cancer by consuming this, it's 18% higher over your baseline rate. Okay. And 
if this if the article is well written, uh, they'll they might make a mention to that. Right. But just the fact that you eat red meat or you eat grilled meat or yeah. whatever it is, it, it might not. Now I'm not a, a meat scientist or or even a cancer uh, specialist, but right. this is this has been my understanding sure. of the subject. Okay. And your your risk of cancer on something like this, while it might sound scary, really isn't that much greater than what you're already exposed to. Absolutely. And you know that's why we're we're doing this here at Rip Your Radio. We're trying to help and enlighten people you know because i'm just i'm just kind of a rube when it comes to this stuff <laughs> i i don't i'm not a scientist you you have studied science mm. i have studied the love of root beer <laughs> and i think that's why i think we're going to be able to speak to multiple audiences here yeah um, yeah and and that's what we have coming mm-hmm. all season <laughs> we're going to study a lot of things we're going to talk about you know uh different types of carbonation uh we're going to talk about flavor palettes. Yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, what profiles? Flavor profiles. Flavor uh, profiles. Um, and other things that might seem kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, like like extract versus uh, you know natural ingredient. Yep. Or uh, anything along the line of temperature. Yeah. You know, like uh, this is something I've I've always been kind of interested in because some beverages, some sodas to me. I grew up drinking warm soda. Yeah. My my parents never put it in the the refrigerator. Yeah. And me being an impatient kid, I never wanted to, you know, take a can of a can of soda, put it in the fridge and wait 2 hours or something for it to cool down. I, still I always don't. just took it straight out of the out yeah. of the cabinet. Yeah. And the, the, your temperature is going to play a big deal on, for on sure. flavor. So the root beer that we made today, we were tasting it uh, and adjusting sweetness based off of uh you know, while it was still kind of Warm. cooling down. Yeah. It was like right around 140 degrees. Yeah. Now, I'm almost certain that when it gets down to right around serving temperature, 40, 45 degrees, mm-hmm. it's going to be fairly different from what, not super different, but there's going to be a difference. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be interested to see that because right. when, I, when I make my beer and I'm tasting as I'm going, I know what I'm tasting isn't going to be my finished product. Right. But if I can detect a flaw early on, I might have the opportunity to correct it. Right. And so that's that's kind of like what we're learning to do in this mm-hmm. whole process is you've already learned to to do that with beer. We're now going to have to learn how to do that with root beer. Yeah. In our brewing so that we have a perfect brew. And that's that's where we're at. You know, we're trying to create this perfect root beer while discussing all these hard-hitting <laughs> issues in the root beer community. <laughs> um, loads of controversy. There is loads. We have a lot in store. <laughs> and I think that's where we're going to have to leave it. Yeah. For next time, you know, let's let's look ahead next to next our next podcast. We will be brewing our first root beer, our first brew. And we encourage you to brew along with us. Absolutely. Send us notes. Absolutely. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com/rootbeerradio. Mhm. You and you'll find our contact info there. Yeah. And um, also uh look for us in the home brewing subreddit. Yeah. On uh, on Reddit.com, uh, we'll be posting Root Beer Radio links there as well. Absolutely. So, till next time. Till next time. <laughs> this is Root Beer Radio. Two brothers set out on a lifelong quest to brew some root beer and discuss all the controversial topics that plague the root beer community. We're talking Root Beer Radio.
guys who love Rudd Rudd Beer Radio A podcast about Rudd Rudd Beer Radio Yeah, it's all about Rudd Rudd Beer Radio Now let's talk about Rudd Beer <laughs>